Hey everyone, and welcome to A Plain Accounts Weekly Podcast. I'm Alicia McClintock here with my co-host Ben Kramer, and it is so good to say that now that Ben is back from sabbatical, we're still getting used to this like new rhythm. Um, as you come back from sabbatical, Ben, it's almost like uh, learning to do all these things over again. How are you settling in in this yeah. pandemic season as well? How, how are things? That is such a good way of framing it because it does feel like I'm relearning so much because as sabbatical was such a reshaping experience on its own, coming back into ministry after not being in these rhythms and things like that, it, it really is a relearning experience. And so while I feel the weight coming back on my shoulders, I feel what, the, what God revealed to me through sabbatical has really been helping me to uh, accommodate that as I move forward. So that's a, yeah, that's a good way of framing that. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah, that's been on my mind too, as we've been talking about John in the wilderness, right? Like mm -hmm. we talked last week about the, this wilderness motif as a place of formation. Yeah. Or, I mean, for, for the Israelites, when they are called out of Egypt, it's it's also a place of unlearning for them mm -hmm. where they have to unlearn all the, the unhelpful, unholy ways of Egypt so that they can then be holy, like with a W and without a W, holy mm -hmm. and holy, <laughs> right. uh, committed to serving and worshiping God, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so then we come to the figure of John who occupies that wilderness space, calling people to do the same thing, mm -hmm. calling them out of their old systems, out of their old ways into a life of repentance where they have changed their mind, their heart, their direction so that they can then be holy and wholly devoted to God. Um, so we've got more of our old buddy, John the Baptist, today. <laughs> we'll try to come up with some new words about him as he's a man of few words. Yes. So, uh, we'll, do, we'll do what we can. Our text this week is um, from the Gospel of John. Um, and uh, and the, the lectionary uh, splices up this first chapter just a little bit. So I'll read verses 6 through 8 and then 19 through 28, right? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Ben's keeping me honest. <laughs> All right. Let's listen to the word of the Lord. There came a man who was sent from God and his name was John. He came with a witness. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him, all people might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every person was coming into the world. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now, some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water. John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, man. Our old buddy John, written in the Gospel of John. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots of Johns happening around here. <laughs> I, and I do think I, as we shift gears, if you're preaching through the Gospel texts or kind of following with the character of John the Baptist in this Advent season, it is important to, to, to notice that there are some um, narrative and theological um, purposes that are different in the Gospel of John than the Gospel of Mark, right? Um, I, I think there's, there's a lot of similarities here um, in, in terms of connecting John to the prophetic tradition, connecting him to, a, a, like, as a witness. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, do you have any thoughts about some of the, like, context of our scriptures today, Ben? Well, yeah, I think um, sort of uh, one of the things that you mentioned before we went live is how the gospel of Mark really helps to solidify John the Baptist in the tradition of the prophets. And he he even mentioning the words of Isaiah puts him in that uh, lineage, his dress, the way that he acts, a lot of the ways that he speaks and um, the character of his ministry is really shaped by the the trope or the archetype of prophets. And so I, I think it's really uh, helpful to understand that narrative in order to understand what he's calling the people from and into in the prophetic tradition of um, the Old Testament and those who have gone before him. Yeah, he... Um... It like this is a figure who we recognize proclaiming a God who we recognize, right? Or who mm-hmm. we ought to. Mm-hmm. Um, like <laughs> I don't know about you, but during during this season, I don't know. There's like all of these like cheesy romantic Christmas movies that like <laughs> pop up everywhere, you know, like Hallmark or Netflix or whatever. And everyone knows how these are gonna go, right? right. There's there's no surprising plot twist. There's always like you know, I don't know, some like big city girl who leaves her big city job, <laughs> goes home for Christmas into like the mountains or the woods or whatever and saves the small town. And, and falls, falls in love with the lumberjack. Right. The yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. And, and we know how this, we know how this goes because we recognize the tropes of the genre. Right. right. Like, or, or somebody brings you like, um, like a, like a box of cookies, right? Like how do you know it's a cookie and not zucchini bread or a cake or whatever? Like you recognize the shape, you recognize the recipe, you recognize the formula of how this is going to go, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that shapes your expectations and like how you engage with it, right? So, so when we come to the figure of John the Baptist, he's carefully locating himself within that stream of tradition, right? Yeah. With, like you said, like, like his dress, um, his location, um, the words that he says, the sort of things that he quotes, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's all very carefully um, located within this prophetic tradition. So then we can expect John to do the work that prophets do, right? right, right. Which is um, helping the people see the way that God sees, helping the people return to the ways that God has already and always called them into. Like John isn't saying anything new. Maybe that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I have a hard time saying something new about John because John isn't ever really saying something new. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's, yeah. he's still saying all of the things that the prophets have always said, right? Return to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, return to the ways of justice. Like, like leave these old things 
behind and step into the new thing that God is always doing. Right? Yes. Amen. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I, I even hear that in the way that um, John records what has been taking place with John. I mean, mm. so he's, he's asked these uh, very upfront questions like, who are you? Mm-hmm. And he says no Which, more than two word pause. sentences. Yeah. Sidebar. Because it should be obvious yes. who he is, right? Like, right. like because he's done all of these things, it should be obvious, right? right. Like right. you don't you don't click on the Netflix queue on a like a movie that says home for Christmas and you're like, What? This is a Christmas movie? You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> right. like it's it's right up front. It's like it should be obvious. They shouldn't have mm-hmm. to ask who John is if they're actually paying attention right. to like everything about him you know Mm -hmm. what i mean absolutely well isn't that so much in the narrative of scripture even from moses asking who god is you know the trying when we aren't seeing clearly what's literally happening right in front of us instead we're trying to put god or the messengers of god into our pre-constructed boxes or to shape them the way that we want them to go um, then we miss the mark entirely. And that's that that trademarks all of Christ's ministry as well. It's like asking who he is and where he draws his authority. And it's like, it seems pretty clear how Jesus is living and ministering where right. he draws his authority and power. And, and, per, and perhaps there's some other narratives that offer like a counterpoint, right? Like, like let's consider somebody like Nicodemus who mm. comes and asks Jesus, who are you? What are you really about? There's a difference between genuine questioning or like um, right, right. curiosity or wonder about like entering the mystery of God mm-hmm. versus trying to name something to control it, to yes, categorize absolutely. it, to manipulate it, to to twist it in some mm-hmm. kind of way. You know yeah. what I mean? And well, and that's yeah. what it seems like these these folks are on about, right? Like yeah. they're they're trying to figure out who John is so they figure out how he fits into their system and what they're gonna do about yeah. it. That's so good. Because I think that theme, that narrative we see whenever questions are asked, um, Bonhoeffer has a a beautiful statement about this in Lying, where he says, you know, when the the Nazis come and knock on the door of someone who's hiding Jewish people, and they say, are you hiding anyone in your house? He says, it is not a lie to say no, because the truthfulness of their question is, are you housing anyone that doesn't deserve to live because of their religious and ethnic identity? And Mm -hmm. to that, you can say truthfully, no. So it's understanding what truthful questions, because only truthful answers can come from truthful questions. And when you see God or the messengers of God, and especially Christ confronted by controlling questions, their answers are always small. I am, or Mm -hmm. John the Baptist, no, or Jesus in front of Pontius Pilate. It's like, you say that's who I am. You know, these controlling questions are always met with very small answers to avoid being put in that controlling box. Right. Yeah. That's so good. I, yeah, I love connecting um, that practice of answering questions with mm-hmm. like simplified, um, but not simple right exactly um yeah and i love making that connection with also then all of the ways again the gospel of john writes jesus like jesus is the one who's also always saying like i i am um 
the way, I am the gate, I am the life, I am the bread, like all of these sorts of things that don't quite fit into preconceived categories, but only the ones with curiosity or wonder or openness mm. yes. can can encounter the light that Jesus is that Jesus is offering. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, that's so good. I, I just, I can't help but think of how I feel when people come to me with the different, those two different kinds of questions. When I'm sure. approached with curiosity or wonder, and you can real that's tangibly invisible. You can feel it. You can feel it, you know? Yeah. And so you hear that in their, in their heart, you hear that in their presence and they're like, please tell me more rather than insinuation or um, aggressiveness. And if the, depending on your answer, I'm going to put you in one box or the other. We've totally been in that situation. Yeah. You can tell when someone's looking for a fight, right. Yeah. By like, mm-hmm. like what they ask. Um, Absolutely. and yeah. And to- yeah, totally. We've all, we've all been there. I, I also think, I mean, again, as we host our conversations here on a plain account, we, we, we hope that anyone and everyone can find them encouraging, but largely our heart is for pastors and preachers. Mm-hmm. And I do think that, that the figure of John the Baptist offers us in particular, um, a, a really intriguing model, right? As I, I think about John, who is doing the work that he's been given to do, mm-hmm. um, to preach repentance, to seek peace, um, to, to call out from old systems and call in the kingdom of God. Um, but he's also always pointing away from himself toward yeah. Christ, toward the one who is coming, toward the one who is greater. And I am like, as we've been talking about how John answers these questions, I am also really impressed by the ways he defines himself with the words of scripture. Mm-hmm. Like he just seems very like self-aware and thoughtful to me. Maybe yeah. that's projection. Maybe that's cause like, that's who I hope he is. <laughs> like <laughs> who I need him to be as a kind of biblical yeah. um, role model. Model, so mm-hmm. to speak I yeah that's maybe a little bit confessional but um it it does it does seem important to me that when John is put in these really difficult positions also we know the end of his story we know how this goes for him mm-hmm. he gets arrested and beheaded right. Right. in a really like brutal and and sad <laughs> kind of way yeah. um, and yet he shows up to keep doing this work and the only words that he has for these people who are pestering him who ultimately like seek his demise are still the words of scripture you know what i mean mm-hmm. like Absolutely. he's still he's he doesn't he doesn't give them more time than they need right like i don't know yeah. i i see him draw some boundaries there with like like he he answers their questions but not with like more answers like more words than he needs to yeah. he says no i'm not i'm not who you think i am um mm-hmm this is who I am. And he quotes Isaiah and yeah. do with that what you will. I think you know that's, I, mean? I think that's so spot on because it, it, and maybe we can talk about this theme of witness next, but mm, yeah. it, it seems as though he, one, he's not surprised by his imprisonment. Like he, he knows that there are people like this doesn't come as a shock to him. Like, Oh my gosh, Herod arrested me. Like, and he, he, he's probably not even shocked that he will be put to death for his actions of speaking truth to that power. But it, he wants to be very intentional and careful that anything that happens to him or from him is 
with Christ at the center of it, not mm -hmm. himself. And so his answers are small. He's not trying to point to anything or like vindicate himself. He is really trying to witness to not only what he is experiencing from God, but what he is calling people to. He is testifying mm -hmm. to that unfolding reality of God. And so even in his responses and his future, he wants it to be because of Christ. Um, rather yeah. than anything about himself. Totally. And so I think that's such a, yeah. like yeah. you said, that's it's such so a compelling. Yeah. Yeah. It's super compelling to me. And um, that like, that he, I don't, it just seems like he's has a clarity about his own vocation, which fundamentally is a passing one, mm. right? Like, mm -hmm. like that, uh, a, a friend, a friend of mine, a friend, colleague, um, who I admire says that we're, we're always building sand castles in mm. ministry, right? Like, like the things that we're working for, we hope are meaningful and beautiful and in service to the reign of God in the world. But we also know that everything is passing away. Um, and, and John seems to like really occupy that with courage and, um, even a sense of stability in the mm -hmm. midst of that passing but it, it just like i don't know it seems like like such a a difficult mantle to take up like any yeah. of the prophets to know like if you take up the mantle of the prophet you we know how they all we know how those stories go they end right. up dead in the right. end yeah. right um and and i hope and pray for a world where that doesn't happen where we can like where we can receive the prophetic mm -hmm. work um, with open hearts and minds. Um, yeah. But if the scriptures have taught us anything, the mantle of the prophet comes with a cost. Mm -hmm. um, and, and somebody who's preparing the way is like also always fundamentally like backstage, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, like you, you have a, you have a time where you bow out, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. Like, like you can't keep preparing the way for someone um, after like, it's clearly time to pass the baton. Yeah. You know what I mean? And what a lesson to, to the church. If we, if the church is to be John the Baptist, you know, if the church mm -hmm. is to understand scriptures the way that John the Baptist understands scriptures, if we, mm. uh, I forget, I think it was, um, I'm not going to name the theologian that said it, but uh, the, I think it was Tertullian who said that we, the church is to be John the Baptist's finger you know, where we are pointing yes. always to, we use our scriptures, we use our discipleship, our witness is always pointing to Christ. And then to follow that with Wesley, in the end, that striving, that faith will be swallowed up by love. So we, that is when we are done, yes. you know, when Christ returns, we are not going to be perpetually the church into eternity we will be at one with god and god one with us and so this this striving will cease that that we are able to then bow out and say what we have been waiting for has come yes oh my gosh i love that because also i think we forget that that there is this like deep eschatological thread when we come mm -hmm. to advent right mm -hmm. that like like yes we anticipate sweet baby jesus in the manger yes, right yeah. and and there's a lot of like wonder and mystery in like that initial moment of incarnation and we sit with that but also as the church here and now we we still proclaim the mysteries of our faith mm -hmm. that christ has come 
Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ is coming again, right? So how then do we live in this in-between time, yes, right? Yeah. And I do think, yet again, John offers us the model. John mm-hmm. shows us the way, right? I love, I love that that image from the ancient church that that we the capital C church are the finger of John the Baptist consistently mm-hmm. pointing to the one who is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Which, which also means that like all of our work will eventually pass away yes. being swallowed up in love. I really I like that yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah. I, I think that's to, to speak to the term of witness, uh, John is witnessing as the work of God is happening to him, but he's also testifying to that work and calling mm-hmm. people to repentance, to, to be caught up in that work. And so if we as the church are called to do that as well, that is the posture of our waiting. That yes, the kingdom has come in Christ, but we are also waiting for it in fullness when Christ returns. And our so our waiting, our witnessing isn't just something that's passive, but it is occurring to us and for the world. And, and so we walk in that, that uh, both and. It's not an either or. It's a both and that we are testifying to what is happening to us through the work of God, but also pointing to the one who is coming after us. Uh, I love that. Um, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of work we could do with that idea mm-hmm. of witness here um this week i i do think i'm okay and then we've also talked about prophets and the prophetic work i think maybe the last kind of key idea or image that comes up in our text this week is is the baptism right Mm. i'm i'm not sure we've talked a lot like as we've talked about john the baptizer i'm not sure we've talked a lot about like the symbol or the work of baptism in our life um uh, but that does come up in our text as the like like, why are you baptizing if you're not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? Mm. Like, mm. like how did, how, I guess, as we think about the role of the church in line with the tradition of John the Baptist pointing to Christ, yeah. how then does our work of baptizing figure into that? You have Gosh, some thoughts about that? That's so good. I, I think of all the questions I've gotten as a pastor from infant baptism to baptizing those who are on their deathbed. You know, this, Mm. this question that is posed to John is a reoccurring one. Even now it it calls into question the nature of baptism. And what I have found really helpful, even in my own understanding is that the sacramental quality of baptism is not my actions so much as a, as a pastor or the one who baptizes but what god is gifting us as human beings and what god does to us and through us in the sacrament of baptism and so john is again not pointing to himself in this moment of baptism that it's not the it's not the quality of the prophet or the the one who is doing the act of baptism but what god is doing in and through that sacrament of baptism that really should draw our focus Um, and i so i think that is where i would start with with kind of understanding what John is trying to emphasize here with baptism. Right, right. Um, and and I'm, I mean, the, the church's sacramental practice of baptism now invites us to identify with Christ, mm-hmm. right? right, to, right. To, be, to be put to death as we 
yeah, to be put to death in the water yeah. um, and then to be brought forth back into new life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it, it does seem that like the, the practice, the practice of baptism is similar, but different when we think about John, right? Like it's not, yeah. it's not like John or Elijah or the other kind of traditions of baptism mm-hmm. in in the ancient Jewish culture, <laughs> we're proclaiming the death and resurrection of Jesus. Right, right. Um, but but they're they're connected. They're connected in that way as it is. It is as it is still a way of putting to death the old things mm-hmm. and bringing to life a new season and yeah. and a new way to say yeah that to say that we we are now um, marked mm-hmm. clean mm-hmm. Um, uh, renewed. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so I guess I'm sorry. No, I, question. I, yeah, I think, I think where my mind goes to, at least for myself, maybe a, a continued question I'll be asking myself and for the, for the church is uh, with this Sunday being the Sunday of joy, mm. d- baptism isn't always presented as a real, like we, we almost have to, to uh, conceal it in this act of, um, individual declaration. Like this is a work mm. that I have done to show what God is doing in my own life, right. To capture the joy that should be there already. Right. And so how are we presenting this dying to the old and being raised to life with the joy of God? That is not this sentimental feeling, but it is a very tangible, real reality in the yeah. presence of Christ, as we talk about this repentance and turning from the old way into new life. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I think back about on some of my most joyful experiences as a congregant, mm-hmm. like growing up, like in church, um, as a witness, um, or, or even as a pastor, I think my most joyful moments have been baptismal moments. Mm. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not much of a weeper or a crier at all. Like I'm actually like really not, but I cry at baptisms like every dang time. Yeah. Um, just cause it, it is, it is so, it is so full of joy for me. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I guess maybe this is an invitation um, as we, as we think about what it means to sit in the dark of Advent, to wait for the light of Christ and also to celebrate this is good news of great joy. I'm wondering what it might look like to remind our own people of their baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I, I guess, I guess that's folded into our understanding of our own vocation in line with John the Baptist is like, remember you too have been baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That you have been, that you have been brought in. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, won, I wonder what it looks like to celebrate that with joy. Yeah, I, th- I think that's so important, especially in a time of division where the church is not innocent in, mm-hmm. in much of what has happened in, in our recent seasons. Um, how can we remind that like uh, our, our, our people who are, who are part of this, this church that is imperfect, you know, and how if if a full joy and full acceptance of their baptism can help remind the whole of the church what it is that we are called to and witness to, and that their joy uh, mm. can really point us to a repentance 
of who we are as, as the people of God to move forward in saying no to the old ways that we've seen really destructive and really dividing recently um, to move towards a, a, a redemption and transformation of our heart and life. Yeah, um, I love that. Any final words as we kind of wrap up our conversation today? Well, I'm again in awe of how when I approach John the Baptist feeling like we're going to have nothing to talk about, that, <laughs> that the spirit still moves and we're able to find even um, reassurance for our own selves in, our, in this conversation. So I'm just thankful for uh, how John continues to witness um, to mm. the coming of Christ and how that, that reminder for us uh, as the church is so important today. Yeah, yeah. I think my final blessing or encouragement this week is look for the light, listen to the prophets, Mm -hmm. speak joy. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Thanks for all y'all for tuning in, spending um, a bit of your week with us. We invite you to go and check out the website. There's stellar commentaries on there as usual, plus some other resources. So um, explore the website as you can. Follow us on the social medias. Um, chime in on the discussion group. Like we love hearing how you're engaging the season and using the lectionary um, in your life and in your church community so thanks so much for tuning in we also remind you uh, to leave us a, a review or a rating wherever you get your podcast that helps us keep this resource relevant and um, pops up in the algorithm for other folks who might find it helpful so thanks so much for tuning in preach boldly peace out peace <laughs>